Welcome to the Connection Point Church Podcast. We hope to be an encouragement throughout your week. New episodes are available every Sunday evening and Thursday evening. We also invite you to join us live on Sunday mornings at 10 a.m. and Wednesday evenings at 7 p.m. I just believe that if we would just begin to connect into what God's trying to do this morning, that we would just allow our minds this morning to just begin to get in, in tune with God's spirit and with the way he wants to move today and just allow his word to begin to work that there would be something in this for everyone. It might not all be for you, but there's something that's for you this morning. Amen. Amen. Now, if we could, if you could pull up uh, Psalms 95 and 2. I'm going to read a couple scriptures, then we're going to pray, and I'm going to let you all be seated because i got quite a few scriptures. So the Bible says in Psalms 95 and 2, Let us come into His presence with thanksgiving. Let us make a joyful noise to Him with songs of praise. And go to Psalms 149 and 3. For the Lord is a great... Sorry, if you could go back to verse... For the Lord is great God and a great King above all gods. And if you could go to Psalms 149 and 3. Let them praise his name with dancing. Make melody to him with tambourine and lie. If you could, if you could bow your head, we're going to pray right now. Lord, in the name of Jesus, I pray that you begin to reach down and you begin to touch this place, God, that you would anoint every ear, God, that you would anoint every mind to understand, every ear to hear, and every heart to receive this message. God, that you would go before me, Lord, that you would anoint my mind, anoint my lips, and anoint my tongue. God, that your word would go forth with anointing and with authority and with direction, God, that it would find its intended purpose, God, that you would open the ground, God, that it would fall, that your seed would fall upon fertile soil, God, in the name of Jesus. We thank you for what you're going to do in this place, God. If you believe that this morning, if you could clap your hands and you may be seated. So the word worship, I don't have, I don't have a big screen up there, but the word worship is to show reverence or adoration to a deity or a higher power. Um, in this case, we'd be referencing God. Reverence, that's to regard or treat with great respect. Adoration, to show deep love and or respect. So all these words, the things that they have in common is it's their worship, reverence, adoration. They're all a word showing some sort of respect or reverence is in your humbling to a higher power, in this case, God this morning. And I just want to, I just want to read some more scriptures here and see what the Bible has to say about worship. Just a couple of them. If we could go to Revelations 5 and 13. We're going to read here. I've got three or four. We're going to read just to get an idea of what the Bible says about scripture, about worship. And I didn't give you that one. So we'll go to Isaiah 12 and 4. Instead there, that's my fault. I think Sister Holloway said it best. They get uh, they get all the all they only get noticed back there when something goes wrong, amen. So they, they put in a lot of hard work. We couldn't do this without them. Isaiah twelve and four, and you will say in that day, Give thanks to the Lord, call upon his name, make known his deeds among the people, proclaim that his name is exalted. Sing praises to the Lord, for he has done gloriously. Let this be known in all of the earth. Shout and sing for joy, O inhabitant of Zion, for great in your midst is the Holy One of Israel. And if we could go down the list there to Romans twelve and one, just keep moving down. If you don't have it, just move down to what you do have. 
Well, we're going to move on here. So what I've come to tell you this morning is that the Bible talks a lot about worship. There's different things that the Bible talks about and different ways that the Bible talks about worship. And I kind of, I kind of became just interested and I began to look up the word worship and Sister Noling uh, has got me on a kick of I'm everything. I look up everything in the Hebrew now. If you don't do it, I'm telling you, I started it just recently. And like, if there's a word you don't know or a word you want better an explanation on, if you look it up in the Hebrew, it's just, it's just amazing what it translates to. And so I looked up the word worship and there are five different times in the Bible that are five different ways that the Bible talks about worship. There's five different Hebrew words that it uses to describe it, that all five mean something different. And so the first one here this morning, and I'm going to, I'm probably going to butcher these pronunciations, but I'm really going to try. The first one this morning is Shekiah and it is to bow down. So the first word that the Bible uses to describe worship, the different type, is to bow down. It is to break, to break it down more. It's basically to humble yourself before God in reverence to his power and to his might. And it also goes on to say further that it's an acknowledgement of his great power. So you're humbling, you're bowing yourself down before God. The next one is Barak. It is to bless in adoration. And if we go back to that word adoration, it is to show deep love and or respect for a higher power, in this case, God. And another one is Tadoa. And this is taken from the Hebrew word Yade. And this breaks down to thanksgiving. So this simply is translated very basically to mean extending your arms in worship. And so this word, it breaks down to thanksgiving, but it, it has kind of two in there to where it literally means when it uses this word of type of worship, it's an extension of your arms in worship, which is a sign of surrenderance. And in Psalms, it says to enter into his gates with thanksgiving. And it's using that word Todea and or Todea, and it's saying enter into God's presence with our hands extended in adoration or in praise to him. And our next one this morning, our fourth one is Zamara, and it is to make music in praise of God. And like we were talking about before, the Bible said to, to worship him with a melody and with the tambourine and to use music. And the last one here that the Bible breaks down into the Hebrew, and it's halal, halal and uh, it's simply, this word breaks down to worthy of praise. So this is where the word hallelujah comes from. This is, this is a hallelujah comes from this word and it means it is saying worthy of praise. So when you're saying, so when we begin to worship and we say hallelujah, we're saying, God, you are worthy of praise. That is basically what, what that word breaks down to is when you're, when you extend your hands and you say, hallelujah, you're saying you are worthy of praise God. You are worthy of praise. How many know that he is worthy of praise this morning? Amen. Amen. So that's five different ways that the Bible breaks it down. And I'd like to kind of look at this for a second and show you, kind of explain what these five different ways kind of mean. Because everybody talks about worship and they talk about praise and, you know, in the different ways. And I believe the Bible here is, is breaking this down for us. And the first one here is Shekiah and it says to bow down. So one way that we can worship God is by bowing down before him, by showing reverence and humility and humbleness unto him. And Barak, that's to bless in adoration. So to speak words of adoration, which if we go back to adoration is to show deep love and respect. So speaking words of love and respect unto God, that is another way that we can worship God. And today, uh, and this is taken from the Hebrew word yada, and that is thanksgiving. So we can give thanks unto God for things that he's done. And it also means with 
extended arms so we can bow down before God. We can speak words of love and of respect and we can enter in with thanksgiving and with arms raised. That's three ways. And Zamara, which is to make music in praise of God. So the third, fourth way is to just use music, to use instruments, to use singing, to praise God. And fifth, the fifth one is halal. And this is worthy of praise or saying hallelujah. So by telling, you know, but God knows that he's worthy of praise, but it's us expressing that we understand that he is worthy of our praise. God doesn't need us to tell him that he's worthy of praise this morning. Amen. Amen. But it is, it is his way of us humbling ourselves to say, God, we understand, hallelujah, we understand that you are worthy of praise and we're acknowledging that. So the Bible, the, the, I believe that is kind of showing us different ways that we can worship, that there's not just one set way of, you know, this is, this is how you do it and there's no other way, way to do it, but that it breaks it down to where there's different ways and different times and different reasons of how to use those, use that worship this morning. And, you know, Bible says that there's, you know, those five, like I said, I believe there's five different ways and it doesn't matter this morning how you worship. Amen. Is that fair to say this morning that it doesn't matter how you worship God, that if you're comfortable and, you know, if for you worship is by, by raising your hands, that's worshiping God. The Bible says it right here. If it, if it is your worship to sing and to play an instrument, that's worship. The Bible says it right here. If it's, if it's just to say hallelujah and to praise him and to get, tell, acknowledge that he's worthy of praise, that's praise. The Bible says it right here. And if it's, if it's just to come to an altar and to bow down and to begin to worship and they begin to speak words of love and respect unto God, that's praise. The Bible says it right there. And so I just want to encourage someone this morning. I've got, I've got some three different points here and it, it kind of is breaking down, if you will, why we should praise this morning. And I know all of you are sitting here looking at me like, you know, every person has a story in here as to something that God has done for them and something that he's brought you through and something that he's met you in or a situation that he's helped you in a way that only he could have helped you this morning. But there's three main points that I feel like the Bible can tell us or that we can pull from the Bible as to why we worship this morning. And if you will, if you would allow me, my title this morning is simply going to be the works of worship, the works of worship. And these, I'd like to kind of tell you what happens when we worship, if you will. And so my first point this morning is it gets God's attention. Everybody in here, they've heard the, the scripture, you know, they've heard it multiple times and time and time again, that God inhabits the praises of his people. But that is something that we hear all the time. And I wonder if sometimes we kind of become numb to it and kind of just it's something that we say this morning, but God inhabits the praises of his people. If there's something that we need from the Lord, if we need to get God's attention, we can pray, we can fast. Those are all good things and those all work. But another thing is to just worship because worship gets the attention of God. And if we could go to Acts 16 and 14, we're going to begin to read this this morning. One who led one who led us was a woman named Lydia from the city of Ther yeah, a seller of purple goods who was a worshiper of God. The Lord opened her heart to pay attention to what was said by Paul. Now I want us to want us to read that one that part of that one more time. He talk, he talks about there was a woman named Lydia. He knew her name. He knew where she was from. He knew what she did for a living. And I want us to focus right there. He said, who was a worshiper 
of God. The Lord opened her heart to pay attention to what was said by Paul, to pay attention to what was said by the preacher. You see, God, I don't believe God does anything just out of coincidence or happenstance. I believe that everything that is in this Bible is written here by purpose and that is is very specific. And the fact that God would mention He mentioned that woman. He mentioned what she did, where she was from, what her name was, but it also mentioned that she was a worshiper. The Bible took time. The writer of this scripture took time to point out and to specifically tell us that she was a worshiper of God. Now, if that right there doesn't tell you that that gets the attention of God, I don't know what else will, that God would inspire that to go in there, that that he knew where she was from, but he knew that she was a worshiper. He knew her heart this morning and the Bible talks about David. It talks about that David was a, God, a man after God's own heart. And we always hear the saying, you know, that dance like David danced and with the Ark of the Covenant and that got God's attention. David was a man after God's own heart. And if we could go to Psalms 18 and 6, the Bible said God heard them from where he was. And if she can pull that up and in my distress, I called upon the Lord. How many of you have ever how many have ever been been in distress this morning? Amen. You've been going through something. You've been in a place where you found yourself and you're kind of looking around going, I don't know how I got here, but we call upon the Lord. To my God I cried for help. From his temple he heard my voice, and my cry to him reached his ears. And you see the Bible said that God heard him from where he was this morning. And God, David cried out in worship. David cried out unto God and God heard him. And if we go to the story of Paul and of Silas, I know that we all have, have all heard it and they're sitting in a temple, they've been th- or in a prison, they've been thrown in prison and they're sitting there and they just are sitting there and it's the 12th, 12th hour and they begin to, uh, they begin to pray and they begin to worship. And you see, God heard them from where you were and he shook that temple. We all know, or that, I keep reading temple up there, that um, prison. We all know that story that they were in that prison and they begin to pray and they begin to worship and they just begin to praise God. They, even though they were in a, te- in a prison, even though that they were in a dark place, even though that they were somewhere where they didn't even need to be, they didn't deserve to be, but God heard them from where they were because of their worship. God reached down and he shook the prison from where they were. Amen. Amen. So this morning, I want to encourage us just because that worship gets the attention of God. And I wonder what would happen if instead of, you know, we were in a situation, we find ourselves in, in the same place as Paul and as Silas, and we begin to sit there and we begin to just, you know, tell God, oh God, you know, I need, I need help with this. I need to get out of here. You know, we're, we shouldn't be here. This isn't fair. But instead, they worshiped. And I wonder this morning what would happen if next time we find ourselves in a prison, if we find ourselves in a dark place, in a, in a hard place, that we would just begin to, instead of just begin to tell God what we need, he knows what we need. He knows where we are. Are, but if we would begin to just worship him, if we would just begin to cry out from where we are, if we would just begin to reach out from that prison cell and begin to say, God, I don't know why I'm here, but I'm going to worship you. I'm going to praise you. I'm going to magnify you because you're going to get me out. I, I thank you for what you're going to do. I wonder this morning what God would do or how he would move in our lives if we would just take that little bit of faith and they could have sat there and they could have worried. They could have been complaining and they could have been, you know, all upset and mad that God let this happen. But instead, they chose 
to worship. Instead, this morning, they chose to worship God, even though they were in a dark place and they probably didn't know if they were going to make it to the other side. They chose to worship. And I just want to encourage you this morning that it doesn't matter if you're in the valley. God can hear you. God can meet you where you are because God is attracted to worship. And somebody needs to remember this morning that, you know, that you're walking through the valley and, you know, yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death. But I want to remind someone this morning that there were bones in a valley. And there were bones in a valley that were brought back to life. It doesn't matter where you are this morning because if you're on the mountain or if you're in the valley, there can be bones that can be re- rebirthed in the valley this morning. Amen. Amen. Can we, is there anyone with, am I, is there anyone with me this morning? I just said there are bones in the valley that can still be rebirthed. It doesn't matter where they are. It doesn't matter what you're going through or what you're walking through or how dead you might feel inside or how alone or afraid you might feel this morning that worship will get the attention of God and he can hear you from where you are this morning. And I want to tell you this morning, that uh, it doesn't matter where you are or what you're going through, that worship gets God's attention. And point two this morning is worship opens an opportunity for God to work. Now, I, I know that, you know, we're, you're sitting here going, he can, he can work anytime he wants to, but the, Bible's a perf- the Bible says that God's a perfect gentleman, that if we draw into him, he'll draw into us, but he's not going to force anything on us this morning. And so by us worshiping, that gets his attention. And by us continuing to worship, that begins to give him an opportunity to work in our situation. If we could go to Psalms 18, 1 through 6. And it says, I love you, O Lord, my strength. The Lord is my rock and my fortress and my deliverer, my God, my rock, in whom I take refuge, my shield and the horn of my salvation, my stronghold. I call upon the Lord who is worthy to be praised, and I am saved from my enemies. The cords of death encompass me. The torrents of destruction assailed me. The cords of Shiloh entangled me. The snares of death confronted me. In my distress, I called upon the Lord. To my God, I cried for help. From his temple, he heard my voice and my cry, and it reached his ears. And so, if we could also go to Acts 16, 23 through 26. And when they had inflicted many blows upon them, they're talking about Paul and Silas here, they threw them into prison, ordering the jailer to keep them safely. Having received this order, he put them in the inner prison and fastened their feet in the stocks. You see there, he didn't just put them in a cell. If you, if you would, he put them in a, the, the max security prison, an isolated, and, uh, an isolated confinement. He put them by themselves. They were in the center of the prison. They weren't just in a little regular cell. They were at the, as deep into the prison, as deep into their situation as they could get is where they were. And then if that wasn't any better, they fastened their feet. They took away their ability to move. They locked them as deep and as dark places as they could, and they locked their feet. And if we could go to 25. And about midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God, and the prisoners were listening to them. Verse 26, and suddenly there was a great earthquake, so the foundations of the prison were shaken, and immediately all the doors were open, and everyone's bonds were unfastened. I'm going to read that one more time if we go back 26. 
And as they were praying and as they were worshiping, and suddenly there was a great earthquake so that the foundations of the prison were shaken and immediately all the doors were open and everyone's bonds were unfastened. And if we could stop right there for a minute. And Paul and Silas here, we just read that they were in a prison. They found themselves in that situation in life that we all find ourselves in. They were shackled. They felt they had nowhere to move. They were stuck where they were. They were in as deep as they felt like they could get in their situation. They were in the inner part of the prison. But you see, while they were there, they began to worship. They begin to worship God and sing hymns unto him right there in that situation this morning. And I feel like that that's something that we can look at today and realize that they begin to worship right then. They didn't wait two weeks later after God had already brought them out of it. They didn't wait 30, 40 minutes, you know, whatever. They didn't wait until after it was already done. But right there, they found themselves in that situation and they begin to worship. They begin to praise God, even though that they were in the darkest place that they had probably ever been in. And you see, because they worshiped God, because they decided that I'm not going to sit here and I'm not going to, you know, just wish what would happen or just, you know, be upset of where I'm at, but I'm going to worship God in this dark place. God moved. God reached out. He heard them from where they were. It got his attention and it gave him an opportunity to work. And he moved in probably the darkest time of their life this morning. And so I just want to use that to encourage someone today that I don't know what you're finding yourself through or what you're walking through this morning, but I want to encourage you that if you would sit back and just maybe begin to worship God where you are. It doesn't matter if you're in a dark, deep place. He can hear you from where you're at. He he will meet you where you are this morning. If you would just begin to worship him and just begin to thank him for what he's done in the past, for what he's going to do in the future, even if it's just singing or praising unto him, worship him and see what he will do when you're in the prison. And you see, it didn't matter that they had been beaten. It didn't matter that they had been ridiculed, shackled, and chained. Their worship opened an opportunity because they said, God, we're opening ourselves to you. They, they drew unto God. They got his attention and they humbled before him and said, God, we're not, we're not where we want to be, but we're going to praise you. And he moved. And you see, if, and if you see here, I, I just want to encourage that Paul and Silas this morning, they, when they begin to pray, there was, there was others in the, in the prison with them. There was other people there with them. And I, I just want to tell someone this morning that your worship isn't just for you. That I believe the Bible is telling us that, that uh, your worship this morning, it has an effect on other people. That worship is contagious. And when you begin to worship, that it, it can affect those that are around you. You see, the Bible talks about um, the Bible talks about the uh, other people that were in there with them, the other the other prisoners that were with them. They were freed as well. It wasn't just Paul and Silas. God didn't just reach in and pull them out and take them with them. God destroyed the prison. He shook the foundation and took down the walls of that prison. And every prisoner in there was freed because of Paul and because of Silas's worship this morning. So I want to encourage you this morning that even if you don't feel like worshiping for yourself, even if you don't feel like where you're at, you can worship or that you, that, that you've got, you know, the energy or whatever it might be. I want to encourage you this morning that maybe you should worship for somebody else today, that maybe you should begin to worship for that 
spouse or for your child or for your lost family member or for those coworkers that you've been trying to witness to this morning or that you worship, that your worship has the power to set others free this morning. Amen. Amen. Because Paul and Silas, God could have reached down. He could have just, he could have pulled them right out and he could have set them on the ground and left everybody there with them. But because they had the faith to worship, every person around them was touched by that worship and touched because when God comes into somewhere to begin to move, there's, when God begins to move, he moves in a mighty way. Amen. And when he begins to move and when he begins to work and he begins to shake things, it begins to affect those that are around you because your worship is contagious. That spirit of worship begins to flood that area that you're in. And you might say, I'm in a dark place and I know I've got others here with me, but I begin to worship and it's going to begin to get contagious and there's going to begin to be a light and and an energy that's going to begin to move in that place and is allow God to work and he's going to touch those that are around you. So I just want to encourage you that if you're not going to worship God this morning for yourself, do it for somebody else. Do it for those that are around you, those that need something from God that maybe don't know how to worship, maybe have never been to church this morning, but you begin to worship and you begin to praise and you begin to allow that to begin to work off onto them and that spirit of worship begin to take over their situation to where when God begins to come in, He doesn't just pull you up, but He begins to take down the prison. He begins to free those that are in there with you, those that have been going through the same situation that you have, that your family members with your your friends and your co-workers he begins to reach down and he begins to pull you all out amen and our third third point here this morning is that your worship is a witness if we can go to acts 16 27 and 34 when the jailer woke and saw that the prison doors were open he drew his sword and was about to kill himself supposing that the prisoners had escaped But Paul cried with a loud voice, Do not harm yourself, for we are all here. And the jailer called for lights and rushed in. And trembling with fear, he fell down before Paul and Silas. Then he brought them out and said, Sir, what must I do to be saved? And they said, Believe in the Lord Jesus, and you will be saved in you and your household. And they spoke the word of the Lord to him and to all who were in his house. And he took them the same hour of the night and washed their wounds. And he was baptized at once, he and all his family. <coughs> Excuse me. Then he brought them up into his house and set food before them. And he rejoiced along with his entire household that he had believed in God. You see, this last point here, I, I feel like that your, the way that we worship, the way that we conduct ourselves is a witness. And your worship doesn't have to just be here, but it's how we live our day-to-day lives and how we walk in our walk with God and how we are outside these four walls. And that worship is a witness. When people see that there's something different, you see the jailer had no idea what had just happened with Paul and Silas. He, he had no idea what was going on, but he got curious. He said, he came to them and he, he said, what, what, what's going on here? What do I have to do to be saved, to, to, to serve the God that you serve? And you said, and you see the scripture tells us in 33 that the jailer and his entire family were baptized in Jesus name. The same jailer that put them in jail, that were watching them, that were holding them captive, if you will, given the circumstance, he was 
baptized and his entire family, and they were saved because of Paul and Silas's worship. Because they chose to worship God from where they were at. Though they didn't probably feel like it, they had been beaten, they had been chained, they had been shackled, they had been thrown in prison. Yet they still worshiped, and God God got their attention, God began to work, and God's work from their worship was a witness unto somebody. So I want to tell you this morning that your worship, the way that we conduct ourselves, the way that we walk, the way that we talk, the things that we do, the way that we worship God here, you know, it it can be a witness to somebody who may not even know what's going on, but they look at you and they say, something just happened with you. They look at you and you come into work and because your worship, God breaks you out of your situation and you come in in a different mood and a different mindset and they say, I don't know what happened to you, but I want some of it. And because of that worship that broke you out of your prison, there's going to be somebody that's going to come to you and they're going to say, I don't know what's happened to you. I don't know what you've went through. I don't know what transformation has taken place this morning, but I want what you have. And because of that worship that you did in the jail cell, because of the worship in that dark place and wherever you felt like you were trapped and you begin to worship and it had you down, it had you depressed, it had you beat, you didn't want to do anything, you didn't want to go to work. You didn't want to keep living on because you were so beat down and discouraged, but yet you worshiped and God heard you and God worked. And now your now your worship is a witness. Amen. Amen. Because the Bible says that they were called, that we're called to be witnesses unto the earth. And if I could this morning, I'd like to take a little liberty and say that we're called to be worshipers unto the earth as well because we begin, because all of this is God's creation. And everywhere we walk, God is with us. And if we worship, God is with us. And I just want to tell you this morning that I, I, I felt so heavy. I, was, I actually wrote this scripture a couple weeks ago and I was sitting there and Brother Noling hadn't even asked me to hadn't even asked me to preach yet. I didn't even know he was gonna leave and I was sitting there at work and I don't say this to, to because I promise you I was ten o'clock at night and I fought it hard. I, I really did. I felt like God was wanting to wanting me to start writing some stuff down and I said, like, God, it's ten o'clock at night. I you know, I can't wait till tomorrow morning and I, I I'm not gonna lie to you, I fought I fought God on it and I, I didn't wanna I didn't wanna get up and go do it and I felt it heavier and heavier this morning and I, I, I don't say that for any reason but to say that God is trying to speak to someone this morning and that this is for somebody, that this word this has been on my heart for about two weeks and Kelly texted me and she said she asked me, she said, what are you doing? I said, I'm writing a sermon. And she said, why are you doing that? And I said, because I'm pretty sure I'm going to be preaching again here real soon. And that was on uh, Saturday. And that Sunday is when Brother Noling asked, asked me to preach while he was gone. And I immediately felt the Lord put this message on my heart this morning. And I say all that to say that there's something here that God wants us to get a hold of. That there's something about worship that is so powerful and that is so dynamic that it doesn't just touch you. It doesn't just touch me. It doesn't just touch those that are in this room, but it's those that are outside of this room because what we don't understand and what, as I begin to read, what I begin to understand is that worship brings us out of things. And by bringing us out of things, it changes things in us. It changes the way we act. It changes the way we walk. How many know this morning that when you're feeling good, you're, you're acting a whole lot different than when you're not feeling very good. When you're down and depressed or you're, you're feeling like, you know, you're wondering how you're going to pay this month's bills. When you know that that's taken care of, or you know that the situation has been handled, how many can say you feel, you feel a lot better. Amen. And just me. All right. Three of you. And so, uh, 
So that right there, that, that's, that's because when God pulls us out of something, it changes our mood. We're humans. We're, we're emotional to the things around us. So when God pulls us out of something, it changes how we act, how we interact with people, our mood, and people notice that. They notice that change in you, and they begin to say, what happened to you? And you begin to say, you know what? Let me tell you. Let me tell you about my God that I began to worship from where I was and it got his attention and he heard me and he reached down and he worked. And now because he worked in that situation and he took down my prison walls, here I am. I can witness to you because of my worship. Because of my worship this morning, I'm able to witness because God pulled me out of where I was. It wasn't because I deserved it. It wasn't because that uh, I was great or that I, you know, that we, that we were, uh, you know, just in, in the wrong place. It was because God loved us. He died on the cross and because we got his attention with worship. We called out from where we were and he reached down. And if the music could come, he reached down and he met us where we were this morning. And if we could all stand in this place, every head bowed. And just begin to, right now, I just want us to begin to think. Begin to think back on every place that God's ever brought us from. Everything that He's ever delivered us out of this morning. And every time that He has pulled us out of the dark or pulled us out of a deep place or He's made that financial move or whatever it would be this morning. Because I just want to tell someone today and I just want to encourage you and put upon your heart this morning. You don't have to jump and scream and shout and roll on the floor, but God, God has called us to worship. If we don't worship, the rocks will, and I don't know about you this morning, but I will not let a rock cry out in my place. God has done too much for me. He's brought me out of too much, and he's delivered me from too many things to let something else worship him in my place, and I've come to tell us this morning that if we would worship God, even when we may not feel like it, even when it seems like we're in the worst place that we could ever be, we don't understand how we're going to get out. It's going to get, worship will get God's attention. Worship draws us to God. Worship draws God closer to us. And it allows an opportunity for God to work in our situation. And because of your worship, because of your worship and the opportunity that God had to work, it will be a witness unto somebody in your life. It may be a witness unto your spirit. It may be a witness unto your spouse or your child or a coworker or a person that you've never met. But your worship will be a witness because of what you allowed God to bring you out of. So I wonder this morning if there's anybody in this place, if you just want to make your way into this altar or if you want to worship from right where you're at, if we could just begin to find a place of prayer right now and maybe just begin to thank God for what he's brought us out of or for what he's going to do or for maybe just begin to praise him from where we're at this morning. If there would be anybody that would just say that, God, I might be in a prison right now. I might be in a dark place this morning, but I'm going to bring myself back to worship, God. I've been, I've been away from it for too long. I've been letting myself get beat down and get discouraged from where I'm at this morning, but I'm just going to worship where I am right now, God. If that's your prayer this morning, if that's your mentality, if God's worked on your heart this morning, if if you could, if you could raise your hands or make your way down, that we would just begin right now to respond to God's word and begin to worship him from where we're at this morning. Though you may not